Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, Fusion? There we go. You guys brought the energy on the first time. Wasn't worship good? Can you guys give it up for the worship team? You guys killed it. Had Tay up there singing. I see you. Man, they killed it. That was awesome. How are you guys feeling today? You guys doing all right? I missed y'all. It's been like a whole week. Man, anybody ready for Easter? How many people are coming on Sunday? Just a few, okay, just a few. It's going to be packed in this building on Sunday because all of America will probably be coming to victory for Easter. It's worth it because we have an amazing service put together. That's why we're doing so many of them. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday we're doing services. We're doing 17 services across all our campuses including Victory Vita, our Spanish-speaking service. Isn't that amazing? Everybody here is putting in work. Pastor James, our worship pastor, he's actually at rehearsal right now because he's going to be a part of it. So you guys got to come check him out. It's going to be awesome. So I look forward to seeing you guys there. Speaking of Easter, it's just been having me think a lot about just... What Easter is about, what we celebrate it as as Christians, I know there's a lot of pagan traditions and and all that stuff with the Easter bunny and the Easter eggs and all this stuff that a lot of people don't agree with. But at the end of the day, as Christ followers, what we celebrate at this time of year is the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what we celebrate. And so it's been having me think just a whole lot. And in this series called Reveal, I've just been praying a lot about, you know, what God wants to reveal to us. We've been talking about the truth. We were talking about pursuing the truth and how we have to be people who pursue the truth because the truth won't just show up at your doorstep. It's something that you have to seek out. And God says, when you seek him wholeheartedly, you'll find him. Then we talked about being the the salt of the earth and preserving the truth and preventing the people around you, the world around you from decaying because Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Then, last week, what was my message called last week? Sharing the truth. There we go. Sharing the truth. See, somebody listened. There we go. But we were talking about sharing the truth and sharing the gospel, sharing the good news and what the reality of our current condition is, where we're trying to get to, and what the reality of the way to our desired outcome is. And we unpacked that, and we got together in in small little groups and unpacked that with each other. Have you guys been enjoying that piece? We've done that for the past two weeks. I said at the beginning of the year that the goal for all of 2019 for Fusion is oneness. That's the theme. So When you see us doing stuff like gathering before we open the doors and free coffee and games and hosting and all this stuff, we want this community aspect because Jesus said, when you are one, 
then the world will believe in him. When the church actually likes each other, hangs out with each other, becomes a real family. He says, when you love the way that I've loved you, before Jesus went to the cross, he's talking to his disciples and he says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Now that I've come down in the flesh and demonstrated what love looks like to you, treat each other that way. And then the world will believe that you actually follow me. And so I've been thinking about this a lot because we get so far removed from the actual words of Jesus sometimes. We've heard so many things about Christianity. We've heard so many people's interpretations and messages and we've had whole generations of people hear a gospel that is not the true gospel and we've had whole generations of people going to church and listening to what the pastor would preach and then developing an understanding just based on what that person said. And how many of you guys know people are not perfect? A man is not infallible. There's a, there's a church in the Bible that when Paul, the apostle, was preaching to them, after that, they went and checked the scriptures to see if, we, he was, if what he was saying was accurate. They were a people who were pursuing the truth. And so, man, when I read the Bible, I just get... I get arrested at what's actually in there, what Jesus actually says. It'll mess you up. It'll mess up your perspective on what you want to do with your life, on what you think the world around you is about. And then you have people who will jump in, take a sentence out of there, throw it out to you, and then put their own motives behind it and and preach to you a gospel that's not the gospel that Jesus preached. But you only find the truth by pursuing the truth. And when you pursue the truth, you will find it. When you open the Bible, the Bible is not merely words on a page. The Bible is the written, the inspired word of God. Scripture, Paul says, all scripture is God breathed. This is God breathing his word through us. Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and their life. Remember, God breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became a living being. Jesus breathes words that are spirit and life. And all scripture is God breathed. We need it. But more than that, it's true. It's actually true. And if what is said in the Bible is actually true, oh, man, we have to know what it says. We have to know what God is saying. I don't know how to, how to put that into the, into the words. I don't know how to put what I feel into words when I think that thought. I've just been wrestling with this message because, man, I've been doing all types of studying. I've been reading all types of books. Like, you guys would probably be surprised if you saw how much I've been reading 
and just ingesting and wanting to learn about God so that I can articulate the gospel to you guys. But the more that I read, the more that I pray, the more that God reveals himself to me, the more I genuinely feel unqualified to even communicate it to you. I don't feel like I have the words to explain who God is. It's something that he reveals by his spirit to you. And there's no intellectual dialogue that I can have with you to make you grasp who God is. I mean, people spend their lifetimes trying to explain what God did with a word, a piece, a tiny piece of what God did with a word. Let there be light. And people can spend a lifetime devoting themselves to educating themselves on what that process looked like. And we have atheist scientists trying to explain by their reasoning and their attempts at discovery what this is. And they go so far, they get back to what is called the Big Bang. And now what they're saying is we're just waiting on the person who can explain why that happened. Do you guys understand how much faith that is? To say, I believe that there's no God. And I believe that this earth came from a big explosion that happens from nothing. And I'm just waiting on somebody to explain how that happened. It is only the spirit of God that can reveal the truth to you. And you can try and you can try to reason with people and you can have these verbal sparring matches where each person is trying to show that they know more. But first and foremost, none of us really know anything. God has revealed himself to humanity through Jesus Christ. And if what's laid out for you in the Bible is not enough for you, I don't know what to say. So tonight's message is called Only by the Spirit. Because I can't convince you of anything. Nobody in here can convince you of anything. As a Christian, even if you believe in Jesus, I can't convince you of why you should drop everything and only care about what he cares about. I can't. But something has happened in me that has arrested my soul to where I just don't care about anything else. I'm amazed. I'm fascinated by who God is. And what I want to devote my life to is getting to know him more. Not having him fulfill a plan for me. Not having him fulfill my dream. Not having him help me to attain what people tell me I should attain. 
I want to know him intimately. And if there is an eternity that I'm going to experience either with him or without him, I'm going to go with with him. Amen. And so I want to read 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture tonight because, again, thank you. Thank you. Paul, speaking of himself and the apostles and the leaders of the church at that time, this is somebody who has studied under the most respected of rabbis. Somebody who's educated himself more than just about anybody else. Somebody who was so zealous for Jewish traditions and laws and scripture that he actually was persecuting Christians, killing Christians before he met Jesus. Because to him and to the Jews who couldn't see who Jesus was, the claim that he was the son of God was blasphemy to them. No matter what he did, no matter what he showed them, their stubborn hearts would not allow them to see who he was. They didn't want to see him as who he was and as who he is. And I think that's the problem with a lot of us. I think we find ourselves in that predicament. I've found myself in that predicament in the past wrestling with this idea of who Jesus is, because if Jesus is who he says he is, then I have to do what he says to do. And if what he says is true, then he's Lord. He has authority over me, and I can't just do whatever I want to do. For them, I mean, they were the esteemed leaders of the time. These Jewish leaders, they had all the fame, all the respect. They got greeted with all the respect in the marketplaces. People looked up to them. They were significant. They were successful. And then Jesus comes around challenging their authority, calling them stuff like a brood of vipers. Saying, you're of your father, the devil who's the father of lies. He's been a liar from the beginning. And you don't even want truth. And so these guys didn't like him. And we're going to talk about how that transpired. But Paul, after being one of the, the leading people persecuting Christians, has an experience with Jesus that's undeniable, where Jesus reveals himself to him. And Paul never turns back and becomes one of the greatest apostles, writes two-thirds of what we call the New Testament. And so the Corinthians and Ephesians and Thessalonians and Colossians, they're all letters to churches telling them about who Jesus is, helping their doctrine, their theology, helping them to understand what to do, how to interact with each other now that we follow Jesus. This is revolutionary. Christianity was a, considered a cult 
when it started out. I know we're not used to that because we have this cultural Christianity now where we can just say we're a Christian and know nothing about Christ. But then, that wasn't really a thing. You don't just affiliate yourself with a cult, with what's considered a cult, loosely. So this was radical. And Paul's preaching to them. And so in 1 Corinthians, he says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We don't speak their wisdom. They're not going anywhere. They're coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. That's the only way you can understand this. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So when people try to make claims about what God should do, how God feels about something, if they do not have the spirit of God within them, they don't know. They do not know. They do not understand him. And if you do not have the spirit of God in you, that comes through the gift of salvation. He says, I will deposit my spirit in you. If you do not have that, you do not know God. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. And we'll continue to unpack that. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Meaning we wouldn't even understand it unless the Spirit of God revealed it to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Spirit-taught words explain spiritual realities. People doing yoga do not explain spiritual realities. The Spirit of God given by Jesus Christ. <laughs> explains spiritual realities. I mean, we seriously live in a world of people who will just put their own ideas out there about what is true spiritually. Do you think that in your brain that you didn't create, that you can't control how it thinks, do you think that you can process spiritual realities and then give them to people? In a world that you did not create, in a world that you showed up in, looking for answers. Do you think you can find them within yourself when you didn't even create you? 
I mean this. Because if that's the case, your thinking has become darkened and you're deceived. And most of the time that happens by you suppressing the truth, like we talked about last week, by just doing what you want to do. That's where I was. I had heard about Jesus my whole life. Seen my mother, my father walk with Jesus. But if I didn't want Jesus, it doesn't matter what people will say, only the spirit of God. As you allow him to, as you seek him, can reveal the truth to you. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So what I wanted to walk through tonight, because what's been hitting me so heavily uh, is as we're in this Easter week and we're talking about the trials of Jesus, the arrest of Jesus, ultimately the sentencing, the death, the burial, the resurrection, I've been reading about it and I feel like most of us don't really know about it and I know we're going to hear more about it this weekend but I wanted to touch on some of this stuff so that you guys understand what salvation really is because why talk to you guys about peripheral issues why talk to you guys about symptoms of stuff you're dealing with if you don't understand that God came to earth walked among us And then died for our sins. So I want to unpack that a little bit tonight. Father, I just ask that you would just do what I can't do. Lord, that you would just open our eyes, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our ears to see you, to hear you, and to understand you. Lord, you said blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who acknowledge their need for you, who understand the poverty that they have in their spirit without you. So, Lord, I ask that you would bring us an awareness of our poverty, Lord, of our need for you, Lord. And that is how we will be blessed. Lord, speak your word, reveal yourself to us, and point us to your son. In Jesus' name, amen. So, starts off with Jesus is announced. Before Jesus came, his coming was announced. For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Mark starts off his gospel, John Mark. The gospels are just accounts of people living in those days, recording eyewitness testimonies of what happened with Jesus. And so he starts off his writing saying, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So in around 750 B.C., the prophet Isaiah writes these words. 
I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. So now we're flashing forward 700 years and we're seeing the fulfillment of this prophecy. This was announced 700 years ago. The last book of the Old Testament was written 400 years before Jesus showed up and God was silent for 400 years. And they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting for this Messiah. Because it's been announced from the beginning, from when the fall happens in Genesis, God announces that a Savior will come. And from then on, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, all throughout the Old Testament, which is proven to be written before Jesus showed up. And then he fulfills every single one of them. I think it's over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life. One person, the Jews believed that the Messiah, that there had to be two because they didn't believe that any one person could fulfill all of these prophecies in one life. The giveaway on that is they knew the Messiah would have to die. But then he'd also be reigning forever. They didn't know that he would come back from the dead. Boom. And this was his message, talking about John the Baptist. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is somebody who understood who Jesus was. He said, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. This is God in the flesh. Make way for him. That, in that culture, that terminology was used when referring to like foreign dignitaries who would come and they had to actually like pave the roads so that it would be straight when they came. And so he's saying, prepare the way for the Lord. He's coming. God said 700 years before that that he would be sending John the Baptist to say this. John the Baptist shows up, says this, lived out in the wilderness, said the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. John the Baptist's birth and life was announced as well. Most of us weren't prophesied about in the Bible, and yet we feel like, We take Jesus casually. Oh, Jesus, you didn't help me get an A on my test. Oh, Jesus, you let me run out of gas. Jesus, you didn't do this. Jesus, you didn't do that. And John is like, I'm not even worthy to touch him. That's who's coming. Make a way for him. And we as his church many times don't have this posture, don't have this attitude. It's all about what's Jesus going to do for me? Jesus needs to make way for me. I'm coming through. I'm about to be the next this and that. Jesus needs to prepare the way for your boy. And that's a lot of times how we think. But when the truth has been revealed to you, 
I'm not even worthy to speak to you. So then Jesus is announced after that. Jesus actually arrives after hundreds of years of prophecy written down, people waiting expectantly. When is this Messiah going to show up? When is he going to deliver us from oppression? When is this person going to show up? And they have their expectations of what he's supposed to look like, of how he's supposed to be, of how he's supposed to act, of how he's supposed to speak, just like many of us do. We have our expectations of what God should be like. We say, oh, well, this this over here is good, so God should feel this way. This over here is bad, so God shouldn't agree with that. We think that we can determine what God should and shouldn't. I just, I don't know how to communicate to you how crazy that is. God and you. Imagine the grace of God that he would actually show up here on earth for people who've rejected him, for people who don't care nothing about him, for us who go about our days not caring. And he would leave heaven, strip himself of all of his glory and show up as a human to pay the price so you didn't have to die in your mess. And we say, God, when are you going to bring me this? God, when are you going to bring me that? I brought you Jesus. Jesus. And we say, oh, I'm not celebrating Easter because da 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 It's like, bro, I don't care what they call it. If we're going to take an occasion to celebrate the coming of God, let's do it. So Jesus arrives. Mark 1, 9 through 11 says at that time, at the time that John was announcing him, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. That alone right there would have been startling for people. Jesus came from where? That's like saying Jesus came from Bankhead. For real. Like he came from where? Yeah. At that time, Jesus walks out the projects. Like that's that's what that that's what that means. From poverty, he was born in a barn. God himself. He didn't come how they expected. He didn't show up how they expected him to show up. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. God himself stepped into the river that everybody was getting baptized in, man, and gets baptized. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. And the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Let me give you all a news flash. Outside of Jesus, God's not saying that to you. 
God's not saying that to me outside of Jesus covering all my filth. God's not opening up the heavens to say, Vince, in all your mess, in all your rejecting of me, in all your wavering and your vacillating, I'm well pleased. No. No, Vince, through what my son did for you, covering all of your mess, I am well pleased with you. And that's why I sent him. So this Jesus comes. He shows up on the scene, and he's very unorthodox. Jesus shows up, and after Jesus is announced, Jesus arrives, and then Jesus announces the gospel, the good news. So many of us don't even appreciate that term because we say gospel music and gospel this, and we think of it as a genre, the good news, not like, oh, good news, I'm getting married. Good news, I just got some new jeans. The good news. The good news. Yeah, all that sin, all that rejecting of God, all that stuff that you do to break everything that he tells you to do. Good news. There's forgiveness available for you. That you actually don't have to pay for. That's the good news. So, Mark 1.14 through 15. After John was put in prison. Oh, snap. John got put in prison? John was announced hundreds of years before. He shows up. He's following God. He's doing exactly what God told him to do. And he's put in prison? But we're like, oh, God, I didn't get accepted to the college. I was supposed to get accepted to. Oh, God, I didn't get this job. that I asked you for. I didn't get that car that I asked you for. And I'm sorry, I know that a lot of us growing up, we heard this idea of like God's whole purpose is to make you prosperous, but it's not true. God loves you. God loves you passionately. God loved you so much that he would cover your sins. And you know what prosperity is? Being able to have a relationship with God. God providing for you, regardless of where you are, even if you're in prison and you have him. Because this life is temporary. This life ends. All the trouble of this life, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And I feel this pull to share this with you guys because... I don't know if you guys have noticed, but things are happening very fast in our society. Things are changing. Things are getting very polarizing. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Christianity is getting less and less popular. And we're, we're shifting from, oh, you guys do your thing over there, to you guys are the problem. And Jesus said that that would happen. He said that that would happen. And so what, what my concern is, is that we'll have so many people coming here on Tuesday nights who are not ready for that and who don't actually believe in Jesus or don't know what he said. And so when difficult things happen, when challenging times come, they'll think that Jesus is going back on his word. 
No, this is what Jesus said would happen. He told the disciples, they're going to beat you in the synagogues. Like, they're going to beat you in the churches. They're going to put you in prison. But when you go to stand before councils as they judge you, don't worry about what to say because it will be the Holy Spirit who's going to speak through you. And so, man, I know we had a pop-up shop last week and we got merch and we got like all this dope stuff. But I I want you guys to know what what we're here for. And I'm here to share with you the truth as best as I can. There's a God who loves you, but there's a God who's sovereign, who rules, who has a kingdom that reigns above everything that's going on here. And so even as our culture changes, his word doesn't change, who he is doesn't change, and we have to know him. If all we know is what people say about him, if all we know is some songs, if all we know is some messages, we're not his. We have to know him. And if we're not willing to prioritize that, we're not following him. So Jesus shows up. And after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God. I just stepped out of heaven. I'm here. Y'all need to change your mind. Allow me to change the way that you think and believe the good news of God. Because where you guys going is not headed anywhere good. God created you. God loves you. But a lot of y'all don't love him. And so I've come to show you who he really is and to share with you the good news that he loves you so much that I actually took on human flesh to live among you, to heal your sick, to restore you, believe the good news of God. After Jesus announces the gospel, I want to hit this other scripture too. Luke 4, 18, Jesus announces in the, I just think this is so, this is so fire, right? So Jesus goes into the synagogue and the way that they are set up is they actually have like assigned readings for the day. And so Jesus walks in, they hand him the scroll of Isaiah to read. He stands up and he reads this, a prophecy about him. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm afraid many of us don't know what the Lord's favor is. We think that the Lord's favor is like, man, when we get a promotion. And we think the Lord's favor is just like... When little good things happen to us, he says, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Who do you think was in prison? Us. Recovery of sight for the blind. Couldn't see. (laughs) 
to set the oppressed free. Who was oppressed? Us. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the Lord's favor. He sent me. That's God's favor. He sent Jesus. He showed up on earth to do all these things. That's the good news. The good news isn't just you starting a business. The good news isn't just you being successful. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to do those things. There are a lot of things that I like to do. I like business. I like fashion. I like music. I like all this stuff. But that's not my purpose. Those are gifts from God that we can enjoy while we're here. But, man, our purpose is to be set free, to have our eyesight recovered so that we can see what's actually going on, to be taken out of this prison of sin and to be restored to him. And if that's not first on the priority list, that's what God wants to be first on the priority list. So if you're feeling stagnant in your walk, it's probably because you don't really understand this. You don't understand what God has done for you. I know that that's been the case for me. That's why this has been like wrecking me. Because I'm like, I, as much as I read this, it's still difficult for me to understand. God, you have to grace me to even communicate this. Because like what this does in here, like the fact that God would leave heaven because I was messing up, not because he messed up. And if you think that Jesus just died for sin, no, Jesus died for your sin. Yours. And you have the opportunity to receive that. He said just believe, repent and believe the good news. So after that, Jesus calls the disciples. Mark 1.16, as Jesus walked behind... Beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Jesus was so fire. Like, he didn't go searching for the best and the brightest. He's just walking along the Sea of Galilee, sees some dudes fishing. Like, imagine this. Imagine this. If you're like, all right, we're about to take over the world. I need to assemble a team. Who are you going to go try to get? You're going to try to get the people who you think are the best at what they do. The most intelligent people you know, the wisest people you know, the most talented, the most skilled, the people you most respect. Jesus is like, oh, some dude's fishing over there. Boom. That's who I need. Because the rest of these people, they're so impressed with themselves. They're so impressed with what they're able to do. And there's no room for me in that. You might be so impressed with yourself that Jesus is not able to use you. And not that Jesus just wants to use you like a little puppet. He wants to do life with you. Yes. 
Man, he took these guys under his wing, and they were right by his side for the rest of his life. And he gave them everything that he had. That's what he wants to do for you. So he doesn't need your intellect. I think that's what, that's what was messing me up, too, because I, a lot of people have now been reaching out to me. And I appreciate it. I love it. I encourage you guys to study. A lot of people have been reaching out to me as I, like, break down context and stuff. Um, man, how do you study and all these things? And I'm more than happy. I want to share those things with you, and I'll continue to be sharing those things with you, just like I did the other week uh, when I showed you how I found the original wording, right? But, man, if you guys think that this happens because I'm just special and amazing, then you're mistaken. Seriously, because outside of God, I didn't understand any of this. And you can be talented and gifted and all those things, but if you don't have the spirit of God dwelling within you that you were submitted to to reveal his truth to you, then you're not going to know it. And he reveals these things as I pursue it. And pursuing it doesn't mean just walking around and listening. Sometimes that's the case. That's called meditating. That's, you can commune with God. You can connect with God. But he didn't write 66 books of scripture for you to take it casually. Jesus, Jesus read the Bible. Jesus knew the Bible. When we don't appreciate, when we lose any appreciation for scripture, we are greatly mistaken. The fact that God himself would leave this for you, like, I think it's just so available for us that we just view it like anything else, man. It's like a t-shirt. Like, this is God's word. You're talking about miracles in this thing, prophecies being fulfilled, amazing things. There's never, you've never grasped this. And I think that's what, that's what I'm coming to realize is even as I, as I read through these last scenes of Jesus' life, like I didn't grasp this, and I don't think I ever will. God will continue to reveal it to me deeper and deeper, but my human mind can only conceive so much. So Jesus calls his disciples and says, you guys, the not so talented, the not so respected, the not so educated, come follow me, because you I can do something with. You who aren't impressed with yourself, you who will actually be impressed with me because I'm worthy of being impressed by. After that, so Jesus is announced. Jesus arrives. Jesus announces the gospel. Jesus calls the disciples. Then Jesus performs miracles to present the evidence that he is the son of God. Jesus wasn't just out here willy-nilly performing miracles, just doing it to do it. Nobody else could do that stuff. He's like, here's the evidence. I came and I told you to repent, to believe the good news of God. I told you that God has sent me and God has anointed me. And here is how I will prove it to you. And I will show you what God's heart is. He didn't just perform a bunch of random stuff. He was healing the sick. 
raising the dead. Have y'all ever seen the dead raised? You don't see it a whole lot. I'm not saying it doesn't happen these days. Jesus said, greater works than these you will do, those who believe. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying, do you understand how rare that is? It's not happening without God. I'll tell you that. And nobody had seen it before Jesus came. But even in doing that, we see in Matthew 11, it says, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John's like, yo, I'm in prison. This isn't looking how I thought it was supposed to look. John's faith is wavering a little bit. And John's like, are you, excuse me, are you the one? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. That was Jesus' evidence right there. After that, Jesus is rejected and conspired against. So he comes, does nothing but good, proclaims good news to the poor. He gives sight to the blind, the lame are walking, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised. And yet, we see in Mark 3, Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. <laughs> Bruh. Because he's performing miracles. Do you see the, the stubbornness of the human heart? That you just won't see it if you don't want to see it? And the teachers of the law, the teachers of the scriptures that he's fulfilling, who came down from Jerusalem, said he is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons he is driving out demons. Come on, bro. This is the condition. Jesus shows up. But how many times do we see this? Jesus can do anything for you. And if you don't want to believe it, so many people, man, God, show me a sign. Show me a sign that you're real. Man, I, I, I want this person to believe and be saved. God, do a miracle in their life. Miracles don't save people. The spirit of God revealing to them who he is saves people. I'm not saying don't pray for people to receive miracles. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying you see what happened when Jesus performed miracles in front of people. They still didn't believe if they didn't want to. Jesus tells a parable of a man 
who's in hell. Looking through this chasm to heaven and asking, Father Abraham, allow Lazarus to cool my tongue with a drink of water because this, this fire is unbearable. And he pretty much says no. And then, and then um, the guy, I don't think it was Lazarus who was in hell. Yeah, the rich man, right? Rich man's in hell, and he says, well, at least send him to go tell my family. And he says, if, if they didn't believe the Bible, they won't believe if the dead come back and tell them. He said, if they didn't believe what the prophet said, they're not going to believe that either. Do you know what that implies? Like, if this isn't good enough for you, if you digging into, because anybody who digs into the reality of who Jesus is with an open heart, you're going to find him, and it's going to be pretty undeniable. You can dig as hard as you want to. You can question as hard as you want to. If you're looking for the truth, if you're looking for a way to disprove him, you're always going to not see what is in front of you. So just like the Pharisees, he's walking in front of them, he's doing miracles, and they say, oh, it's by demons that he's doing miracles. <laughs> They'll just come up with whatever. And that's what happens in our society all the time. You see these wild theories, and people will accept anything. People will say you're crazy for praying to God. You're crazy for believing in God. Oh, you're burning sage? Oh, you're woke. Oh, you're, you're praying to your ancestors? You're so woke. This is what's happening, though. And some of y'all, some of you guys agree, though. And so that's why I'm sharing this with you. Scientists are saying, we know what happened, kind of. We're just waiting on somebody to explain the rest. Jesus showed up on earth and gave every bit of evidence that we need to believe that he was who he says he was and he is who he says he is. And it's up to us whether we want to believe it or not. And so if you're attracted to worldviews that allow you to do whatever you want to do, then that's where you're going to go. But if you want the truth, the truth is found in Jesus. And so Jesus is rejected and conspired against him. Mark 15 says the chief priests accused him of many things, just accused him of all types of stuff. And then ultimately, man, what's heartbreaking is, is you seeing this scene of Jesus. He's, he's already prophesied. He said, look, he's told his disciples, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to be handed over. They're going to crucify me, and I'm going to come back three days later. And he said it a bunch of times, but like, it was just so wild, so inconceivable that they didn't receive it when he said it. But you see, man, Jesus has this last supper with them. He's looking forward to this last supper, and, and he, he breaks bread with them, and he starts to explain to them this new covenant that's going to happen, and he teaches them about communion, and he washes their feet. And Peter's like, you wash my feet? No. And Jesus is like, you'll understand what I'm doing later if I don't wash you. You won't be clean. And he says, the son of man 
came not to be served, but to serve. This is Jesus. Not this, Jesus wants you to have a Bentley, Jesus. It's Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to pay the ransom for your life. If that's not enough of a payment for you, it's crazy. So he has this, he has this time with them. And then as they're sitting at the table, he's like, one of you guys is going to betray me. John leans over and he's like, who's it going to be? And Jesus is like, the one I give this bread to. Here, Judas. Man, can you guys imagine what had to be going on in Judas's heart to, to walk with Jesus, to see him do these miracles? He was, he was one of the 12. There were a lot of disciples, but there, there's a group called the 12 who were closest to him. So when he says that he sent the 12 out to cast out demons and to heal the sick and proclaim the gospel, Judas was with them. Judas was doing all those things. But his heart wasn't there. He was not a follower of Jesus Christ in here. And Jesus knew it. And so finally, you know, Judas... He had gone to the chief priest and said, how much will you give me if I turn him over to you? Because he wasn't hard to get. He was actually really loved by the people. And they knew that if they just tried to arrest him in public, there would be a riot. 